Hey everybody, welcome to the Mini Break by Cracked Rackets, your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, April 24th, and we're here for another pod in which we'll be covering a few different topics, but mainly we're going to be honing in on the Barcelona Open. My name is Jamie McDonald, and I'll be your host for today's action, and with me is my Wednesday regular, it's Matt Stokoyak. Matt, how's it What's going, up, man? What's up, Jamie? Hope you're doing good, man. It's uh, It's been a busy past couple of weeks, but... Uh, definitely excited to be back on here with you, man. Yeah, I am grinding. I'm currently switching over from the central time to the eastern time right now. I'm in Ohio, so um, I'm with you in terms of the time zone here, but it, it's still late. I'm having long days, and uh, it's a it, grind. That's where I'm at is, right man, now. <laughs> it is, You'll get used to it. You will. Fair enough. Well, my first order of business before we hop into all the fun clay court action is – you know, you were our resident guy at the ACC tournament. I mean, just generally, I mean, how was oh, it? Oh, it was awesome, man. I mean, I, I try to get to that tournament every single year. It's great. I mean, the tennis is phenomenal, and, you know, you can get real close up to the action on pretty much every single court. Sure. Uh, it was a blast, man. Wake Forest obviously took the title again for the second year in a row. They're looking good, man. I mean, there's, there's a lot of teams in that ACC that are tough. I mean— you talk about Virginia, UNC. Those guys, to me, are all you know top sure. five potential teams in the country. So uh, we'll see what happens come NCAA tournament time. But yeah, I, I had a blast, man. The weather was good for the most part, so all good stuff. That's awesome. Well, you know, if in case listeners you haven't uh, checked all of it out, Matt was kind enough to write us all recaps from the tournament when he was actually there watching. So go check those out. Those are on the site. Um, definitely, you know, gives you a taste of what he was looking at. And as he said, the level of tennis was just awesome. But before we move on, I just want to ask you, what was your favorite match that you got to watch? Individual there? match or dual match? You can answer however you want. I was mainly saying dual match, but if you've got one individual match picked out, you by well, all means you the, tell me. Uh, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with the final uh, against Wake and Virginia, and sure. the individual match that I was really honed in on was actually the one that didn't finish. It was court two, Petros Krisokos against Brandon Nakashima, and it was crazy, man. I mean, Nakashima is a 17 year old freshman. He reclassified to uh, go to UVA a year early. Yeah, that's crazy. He's super young, and obviously Petros is the defending NCAA champ, and they just had an absolute battle. Nakashima took the first set in a tiebreaker. He goes up 5-1 in the second set. Everyone thinks it's over, and that's when Petros starts to turn it on, man. It was crazy. His back was against the wall, and he came up with some ridiculous tennis. He got back in it and was actually leading 6-5 in the second set when the, when the dual match was clinched, so... I was all over that one. That's why. Well, shame it didn't get to finish, but hey, you were there, and that's that's more than most people can say, so that's pretty Yeah, sweet. man. It was a blast. That's awesome. Well, you know, I hope in future years you continue to be our guy, you know, our resident ACC guy who's, you know, just always there and covering oh, 100%. it for us. That's awesome. Well, anyway, as we move on from college tennis up to the ATP, we got a lot of action down in Barcelona. And so, listeners, we just want to run through some of the results from today. Of course, as you guys know, we're recording on Tuesday night. So for you all, that would be the yesterday's results. Um, we're going to run through these decently quick. Tsitsipas advances with a quick 3-4 and four comfortable win over Fuksovic. 
Team defeated Schwartzman three and three, another pretty comfortable win. Stroof takes out Gofen six and three. Now I'm going to stop here for a second. Can we talk about what a tear Stroof has been on, or at least a couple big yeah, results? Yeah, I mean right? this is a guy. It's crazy. He has the ability to play some really, really good tennis, and you know his ranking may not reflect that. I don't know exactly where he is in the rankings at this point, but you know he may not even be top fifty at the moment. But he's a big guy. He serves well. He moves well for his size. And I feel like his game can really adapt to all surfaces. It's not like he's strictly a clay court guy or strictly a hard court guy. He can kind of play well on on all three surfaces. So, yeah, I mean, anytime you see him in the draw, you got to be prepared if you're one of those top-ranked guys because he's got the ability to play big and, and knock those guys out. Yeah, that man plays some big boy tennis, and and I think he's at, I think I believe he's at 51 in the latest ATP rankings. So yeah, like you said, just knocking on that door there, and and one of those guys who's super dangerous when he's just you know clocking forehands, but you know hasn't been able to consistently come up with the goods and you know make deep deep runs week in week out. But it's been looking good for him. I mean, he took out Shapovalov and Monte Carlo, took out Zverev at Indian Wells. I mean, so we're talking hard court and clay court. I mean, the guy's making a yeah. case for oh, himself. Oh yeah, 100%. And another thing about his game is he's really good at the net. He's an excellent doubles player. He's had some great results in doubles. So, you know, he has an all-court game. I mean, he can hit the serve hard. Obviously, the groundies are big and he can come forward. So, there's really not much that he can't do. It's just trying to string it all together for multiple matches in a row to actually win tournaments. But, you know, besides the little inconsistencies, he's a great player. For sure. Well, as we move down the list, this next section of results, we're going to talk about a lot of clay court specialists here. Munar, who's really come into his own, takes out Tiafo four and three. Pella takes out Sousa of Portugal, three, six, seven, six, six, two. Garen, who made quite a case for himself on the ATP Tour in the last couple of weeks, takes out Cleason 5-4. And, and David Ferrer, the veteran, just, wow, gives Misha Zverev, the older brother, an absolute beating 3-1. That's yeah, tough. Yeah, Misha on clay. I mean, the serve and volley. And yeah, that's not, it, that's not, not where he wants to be. So that one, I mean, I can understand that scoreline. I think that would have been a little bit different on hard or especially grass. But, sure. you know, it, sure. it's tough, man. Ferrer just... No, no, no matter how old he gets, he just keeps coming, man. You got to love that guy. He's a grind. No, well, and, and, you know, as we move down our list even further, just corroborate this fact. Not a good day for the Zverev brothers. Um, younger but more promising, Alex Zverev goes out 3-6-7-5-7-6 to Jari. That's a lot of early losses. Oh, yeah. Recently, he's been struggling, man. I mean, I was thinking about this, too. Uh, You go back to Acapulco, which was at the end of February, very beginning of March. He made the final there and lost to Nick Kyrgios. So, you know, he had a good result there. But, you know, then you go to Indian Wells, which is a Masters 1,000, and he loses to Struff in the second round or round his second match. He got one win there. Then he goes to Miami, loses to Ferrer in his first match, which is another Masters 1000. So at the big tournaments here, you know, he's not seeing the results. Then he enters a 250 tournament in Marrakech, you know, I'm assuming to get some confidence and, you know, try to win that event on clay. He loses to Munar in his second match. So he steps down to a 250 and the results still aren't there. And then we go to Monte Carlo. He loses to eventual champion Fognini. Okay, maybe we give him a pass there, you know, losing to the eventual champ. 
But then, you know, now we're in Barcelona and he loses to to Jerry. It's just, it's tough, man. He's really struggling. And I, I have to say, I think it's more mental than anything else. I mean, we know how physically talented he is. He's got all the tools. He's He's a beast, really. But it just seems like right now he's really struggling to close out matches. And it may be getting to his head. I don't know. No, I think I think you're right, and I think, I mean, sure, it, it's just at a certain point he can't avoid it. There's tons of talk around him, you know, not being able to perform, you know, at the highest level, especially in the slams. And it's like, oh, why hasn't he broke? You know, why hasn't he had more breakthroughs at that level? But I mean, we just forget how young this guy is. I think that's part of it. It's like, I think he's been around for so long. I mean, at least yeah. on the tour, he's been relevant for a matter of years. I mean, we forget that he just yeah. turned 22. Yeah. Like a few days ago. Like, I mean, this guy is super, super young. So, I mean, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know if that's me just trying to take some of the pressure off him in terms of these results. But, I mean, he's gotten near the very, very top of the world. I mean, he he won the ATP, you know, tour finals. Like, this, I don't know. I mean, it's harsh on him because he's a lot is expected of him. Um, But the bottom line is, at least in these last few tournaments, these early losses to Fonini, Munar, Ferrer, and Struff, it's just he's not making a good case for himself, especially as we you know get deep into this. No, and I think what's just so puzzling to me and so frustrating for me because I I like Zverev. I mean, he's a likable guy. I really enjoy watching him play, but it's tough for me because he is ranked number three in the world. Like you mentioned, Jamie, he won the, the ATP Tour Finals last year. We know what he can do. And so it, it just seems like there really is no reason. Look, everybody has has a bad tournament, right? Everybody has a bad match. I mean, look, sure. Rafa lost in Monte Carlo, you know, and, and so I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of people are going to give him a pass. But, you know, a guy like Zverev hasn't really hasn't done it in in the Grand Slams. I mean, he's won a Masters thousand. You know, I get that. He's won the tour finals, but the inconsistency is just tough. I mean, Rafa losing at one tournament, that's okay, but you know, he's going to bring it, you know, next tournament. And he's obviously had more success in grand slams than anybody else. So Rafa deserves a bit of a pass. I think Zverev, I just don't know, man. It's frustrating to me because I just feel like it's all mental. Yeah, no, you, you could totally be right. And we'll see in the next few years will be the big test for him, especially, as the old guys get older, you know, he'll be expected to definitely come into his own. I think right now he's he's still young enough where it might be frustrating for some people to say, you know, hey, why aren't you making deeper runs? You know, he's not exactly expected to just be dominant, you know, like a Djokovic is. Um, but like I said, I mean, those guys are in their 30s now. And so it's time for him to come. So the next the next few years are really going to be telling for him. But I'm sure many, many of our podcasts will cover him in the, in, in the future, so we might as well move on. Um, the last few results from Barcelona, Ramos Vinolas, or as my computer tried to autocorrect like 10 different times, <laughs> Ramones, Ramones Vinolas, uh, took out Cam Nori 2-2. Two and two. Jaziri took out Andriozzi 6-7, 6-4, Fritz, the other American we're talking about, uh, goes out to Nishikori. He takes him out 5-2. and two. And Delbonis goes out to Kuhn. Kuhn wins 7-6. Four six six two. That match was a total grind. I don't know if you saw. You gotta love the you know the tennis TV hot shots or whatever they show them. Delbonis had a sweet volley. Did you see, I do don't you know, know if I do. About? I didn't get to see any of that match, oh. but you know, Kuhn, uh, he was was he a wild card or qualifier? I can't remember, but 
he's, I mean, that's a big result for him, obviously. He's another young guy, a Spanish guy. So to come through in a match like that against an experienced Del Bonus, that's, that's a great result for Kuhn. Yeah, and I mean, he's super, super young. Every time you look and you see someone's born in 2000, now it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he's for sure showing that he's got a bright future. And um, so that, that's great to see. But as we talk about good old Ramon's Vanilla, so we might as well talk about him. He's slotted, at least on our list, as the first match to watch for tomorrow. Ramos Vanilla takes on Medvedev. What are we thinking on that match? Medvedev? Yeah, he has. I mean, point. I'd have to go. I I want to say Medvedev easy, man. I mean, it's on clay. Ramos Vinolas is obviously very comfortable on clay, but I mean, Medvedev has just been, I mean, really dominant lately. I mean, he's been phenomenal. So, I mean, if I was putting money on it, I'm going heavy, heavy on the side of, of Daniil Medvedev on that one. Yeah, I mean, and he looked so, so good last yeah. week in Monte Carlo too. It was really until that semifinal match, and I mean, it was odd. He looked really good in that first set too, and then he got up. Yeah, was it, it five was, one, five one or five two? I think it was five one in that first set. Um, yeah, that was strange. I mean, it. I think just he completely hit a wall. lost it. Like, I don't know if it was more physical or yeah. mental, but it almost looked like he just hit an absolute wall, and there was going to be nothing that he could do. Um, so yeah, that was interesting, but I, I think by now that he's probably recovered from that. I'm looking for him to have a big tournament. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think he's ready to rebound, but you know, as we go through the other ones that we're looking for tomorrow, Mackie McDonald taking on Simone. That one's going to be a lot of fun. I think Ferrer takes on Puy, Nadal and Meyer, Dimitrov and Verdasco. That poses a fun one as well. FAA takes on Jaziri. I think we both expect the Canadian to come out um, pretty comfortably in that one. Fonini against Kuhn, Pella against Hachinov. That to me, that poses a lot of danger yeah. for Yeah, oh, Hachinov. 100%. Pella loves the clay, man. I mean, lefty grinder moves well. He's if he's playing well, I mean, that's going to be, you know, Hatchinov's got to watch out. He's really got to be on his toes because, I mean, Pella's not going anywhere, man. Yeah, and, and you and I talked about this, I believe, I think, was it just last week on our pod about Hatchinov and how he's kind of struggled? Maybe it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, there's too many of them now that I just lose track. But we definitely talked about uh, Hatchinov and how, you know, he struggled at the beginning. Remember, oh, it was last time because, remember, I said the fake yep, yep, Paris that's Masters right. curse. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, but no, regardless, I mean, this is a really, really dangerous matchup for Hatchinov, and he, he's going to have to bring his complete A game because, like you said, Pell is so good on the clay, and you know he's got he's had some momentum. He's had a couple good results in the last two tournaments. So, honestly, I I don't know if if I had to put money on it, I would probably put it on Pella. Would you? I, I might. I mean, that's that's a. I, I, I think ooh, I would. I don't know, man. I It's tough. It's tough to call. I mean, I just, I see it as a really good opportunity for Hatchinov to kind of turn his year around a little bit and start making some noise on sure. the clay. I would really like to see him come through in that match and maybe, you know, make a deep run here in Barcelona. I think it'd do his confidence a lot of good. And I just, I want to see him playing well and going deep in tournaments again. I think it's more fun. I just, I love his game. I love his upside. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait, yeah. wait and see, right? <laughs> um, but then, of course, the next two matches, at least that we'll be watching for tomorrow, Benoit Pair, someone who's seen quite a bit of success in, on the clay recently, against Carreno Busta. That one poses, I don't know, I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. And then this one, ooh, this one's dicey too. 
Garen against Shapovalov. That one is very interesting. I mean, of course, Garen, such a good clay quarter, just took the title down in Houston, you know, won that 2013 Junior French Open over Zverev. Um, I mean, this guy loves the clay. And so I think this is another one where, yeah, Shapovalov is favored here, but that's a dangerous Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Garen, like you mentioned, he loves the clay. So it's interesting here when we look at some of these matchups, we're seeing guys that are, are, you know, quote-unquote clay court specialists against guys that we think, you know, are more all-around type players on all surfaces like Hachinov and Shapovalov and and guys like that. So it makes for really interesting matches, right? Because – we kind of want to see how that's going to play out. I mean, is is the all-around game of Shapovalov going to be better than the clay court or Garen, you know, or or is the clay court, you know, tennis really going to take over and, and end up winning out? So, I mean, I think it's interesting to watch some of these matches unfold. Hopefully these are great. Yeah, and I think that's just, that's why I love the clay court season so much too is because you get a lot of these guys who are just, phenomenal on the clay that maybe throughout the the year you don't see as much and now they're up there against the big dogs and they're i mean a lot of times they're coming through in these matches and so that's a ton of fun for me just grinding points um and so it's always super fun to watch but in terms in terms of these matches for tomorrow i would say if i had to pick one out that i'm really excited to watch i think it'd be mackie and jill simone um i think their styles you know clash in a way they're pretty similar um in a lot of different ways from the ground strike. I see a lot of long-ass backhand-to-backhand rallies in this one. Um, and you know, of course, Mackie's going to try and take it early and, and see if he can come in against him and stuff. But um, I think that one poses a really fun matchup and one that could definitely be you know, a, a 7-6, 6-7, 7-6 grind. But hopefully Jill Simone's healthy. He had to retire um, not too long ago. I think, uh, I think it was last tournament, I believe. I think he had to retire. Um, and Monte Carlo, he, he didn't even play Fonini. Fonini mm-hmm. got the walk over there. Um, so hopefully he's healthy and he, he's ready to play because he's going to need to break. Yeah, that should be a good one. I mean, I agree with you. I think <laughs> the the fans better settle in for, for a couple hours because that one's not going to be over in, in an hour for sure. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully Mackey plays well. I'd love to see him come through in that match, but they're going to be grinding it out. For man. sure. Yep. Absolutely. Well, if you had to pick one that you're definitely going to watch, which one out of this lineup that we talked about? There's a lot where, of good ones, but the one the one that I'm I'm really kind of keeping my eye on, I think, is going to be Dimitrov and Verdasco. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov is another mm. guy, kind of like Karen Hatchinoff, that has been pretty inconsistent. I mean, throughout the year, if you look at his results, he has not had a good year, um, you know, by most players' standards. And I, I think he's just – he's got to start turning it on. I mean he plays a guy in Verdasco who's in his home country and you know plays well on the clay, tricky lefty. Grigor to me is is another one of those guys similar to a Zverev where you just see the talent. And, and I, I personally love watching him play because I love his one-handed backhand. I love the way that he moves around the court. He can hit all the shots. But again, with him, it always comes down to the mental side of the game, and that's where he struggles. And so I'm just hoping that you know one of these tournaments is he's going to break through, and he can just have a really good rest of the year. And I think that starts probably tomorrow against Verdasco. If he can get a win there, move on in Barcelona, and possibly put a run together, you know he could do some damage. We'll see. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, and I think. 
I think Grigor, I mean, obviously expected to win in that match, but mentally I think it's a good test for him too because if he can stay strong mentally, you know, no matter if he's not playing his best, I think he'll probably come out of this match, even if Verdasco's, you know, unless he's just on fire. You know, if Verdasco's just playing normal, I mean, look, Verdasco's a very good player, but mentally he gets super frustrated, and that's been that's been a downfall of his for, for years in his career now. Yeah. He can. I mean, I think it's, like you said, whoever is stronger mentally in that match is probably going to win it because both guys can tend to be a little bit fragile at times. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Whoever just hangs in there and tries to fight through the adversity a little bit better is probably going to come out on top. I'm looking for Grigor to do it. That's fair. Well, you know, it's funny. We're talking about sort of the mental side of this on clay. You know, something that I've seen a lot of players completely go mental and lose the mental strength in their game is about, you know, line calls and, you know, ball marks and all this, which brings us to the discussion that, you know, you specifically asked me to bring up on today. And I said, you know, sure, let's talk it out. Hawkeye on clay, or are we fine with just doing the typical ball marks? And, you know, before, before we talk about this, I should mention too, if you haven't listened to it, Rothman and Gruskin got into this a little bit um, a few days ago on their mini break. Um, and they were talking about how, yeah, it's a little weird that, you know, we show the Hawkeye on TV, but then we don't use it in the actual matches. And Matt, I know you have some pretty strong feelings on this, so I'll let you, I'll let you say first, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. I mean, I do have some strong feelings about this and it's, it's because I've been watching these clay court tournaments, you know, going back to Houston and then Marrakesh and, and Monte Carlo and now Barcelona. And I just see players, you know, not every single match, but almost all, in every match that I've watched, there's disputes between players and chair umpires over ball marks on the Mm -hmm. clay. And the player will try to circle it and the chair umpire comes out of the chair and goes over there and, you know, points out the mark and there ends up being disagreements. And there's such an easy way to solve this problem. And that's by using the Hawkeye technology that we have at our disposal right? We use it on other surfaces. And like you mentioned, Gruskin and Rothman touched on this. They show the fans at home, the Hawkeye. So if they're showing us, why can't we just incorporate this into, into clay court tournaments? I think it's way past due and there's no excuse that we don't use Hawkeye on clay. There's no excuse for it at all. It would eliminate all of these controversies you know, that we have between player and chair umpire. There was a match uh, between Benoit Paire. This was back when he won the tournament, actually, in Morocco. Him and when he played Sanga, I think it was in their semifinal match, and he just went nuts on the umpire. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, we could easily just, we could easily bypass this, and there wouldn't be any arguments whatsoever. Just incorporate challenges. So let me ask you. Every other tournament. Let me ask you this, though. Okay. So say, you know, we look up on the Hawkeye and it says the ball, you know, however, say it's real close. It's like millimeter out, whatever. But say they go look at the mark and it looks like the mark is touching part of the line. Is that not a similar dispute to what we're seeing right now? That's a good point. But, God, see, I don't care. Like, I usually (laughs) – We've seen – there was – remember in Wimbledon last year when John Isner, they, they, he, he challenged and he was still complaining about the the challenge that the technology showed him was out and he was still complaining, saying yeah. – trying to say that it was in. It's like, John, 
the technology is telling us that it's out. There's no way that you can win that argument. The, the tough going... part is on clay, though. It, the ball mark is so clear. And now, if you're looking at a wrong, if you're looking at the wrong ball mark. I mean, that's that's a totally different case here. But the thing is, it's so difficult because the impression of the ball's right there. Now, granted, yeah. if we're getting real granular here, you can talk about how you know even if the ball didn't quite touch there, it could leave a mark and move some dirt around right. it, and and that could sh- that could show um, you know a, a sort of a false impact there or whatnot, but. Bottom line, I feel like since it's on clay, it would still get disputed. Now, I think you're right in the sense that the technology would cut out a lot of the disputes, and it, you know, and it would it would make sense for the challenge system to sort of be the same across the board. Um, but I still think there would be some interesting disputes where you know a guy's like, wait, 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 I can see it; it's touching the line, and the hockey yeah, said it was that, out. That's fair, and I actually I I agree with you with that, Jamie. I do. I think that's a good point. I think overall there might be less disputes though that yeah. way if we if we incorporated the challenges you're right there's still going to be those guys that that get ticked off about the calls and all that and they're still going to argue but I think it would happen I think it would happen less yeah. and to me to me that's worth it because you know, I, I just get sick and tired of seeing these players take a five-minute break in between points. Just to yell at the ump. <laughs> just, just to yell at the ump. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. tired of that. Let's get on with it. Play tennis, okay? And, it, you know, if they challenge and the ball marks shows that it's out, it's out. You got to move on. You can't argue with the, with the shot spot. So that's just kind of my viewpoint on it. I think we're past due. Just incorporate it on clay and, you know, there still may be some disputes, but – Overall, it's going to be better, I think. Do you think – so this is just a hypothetical here. I mean do you think that at least for the guys who – I mean there are certain people who are just more prone to you know argue with umps over calls. We've just seen it throughout their careers. Some of the guys that are going to argue calls, you know, say for example, Hawkeye shows it out. They think they see it in and they, they see a clear ball mark on the clay. Do you think that poses any problem when they go play a hardcore match and they go play a grass court match and, and they're using Hawkeye that they're just going to be that much more, you know, suspicious and doubtful of it? I mean, do you think that's a problem? Like, because then you're, you're, since you're using Hawkeye for it all, it's like they're doubting it on all the surfaces, not just in that specific case. Yeah, but if they're doubting, what what can they do? E- even if True. they doubt it. Well, they can it, just sit there and complain, which is right, what they do right now. <laughs> exactly. And then, but at the end of the day, they can doubt the Hawkeye all they want. It's not like they're going to get the call overturned, you know? Right. So it's, at some right. point, they, you know, players like that should probably realize, okay, you know, the technology says it was out. There's no way I can win this argument. It's like it's like I was saying with that Isner incident at Wimbledon last year. It was like, John, save your breath, man. There's no reason to argue here. Hawkeye called it out. You're not getting the call. You yeah, can what's argue. The cherim, what's the cherim going to do? Be like, you know what? That's a good point, John. I think since <laughs> you thought it was in, right. we're going to call it in, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you, you bring up a point there. I mean, that's true. Players players may doubt it, but hey, if you doubt it, sorry, man. It is what it is. We're going with the Hawkeye call no matter what. That's fair. Well, you know, listeners, you hear, heard it here first. The very strong feelings by Matt Stokowiak on Hawkeye on Clay. So we'll have to get him in touch with someone important and try and get that in motion. You know, I don't know who it's, to talk it's to. It's going to happen eventually, man. I don't either. I don't know who, but it's going to happen. I just, I don't know. It just seems funny to me. It's, it's laughable that, you know, uh, the chair clearly 
thinks that he sees the mark and then you've got a player right that circles another mark and says no 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 it hit here like come on guys you know yeah that is true it gets a little old especially when you're walking these matches especially when you're watching these matches back to back it's like there aren't very many matches where some sort of dispute like that doesn't happen right and there's always there's always some little one you know regardless of if a player decides to make a big deal of it or not you know there's always one or two where they're like oh it's this or no it's this one you know that's fair. That's definitely true, man. But we'll see. I mean, like I said, not not in our hands. But I think you're right. I mean, I think it's only a matter of time. Um, I think we see Clay Corey. They're you know they're trying to sort of hold on to hold out on it because they're you know I don't know if it's tradition. I don't really know what all the reasoning is behind it. Um, right. Maybe they just think they don't need it because they got the ball mark. But I think I think you're definitely right. It's a little inevitable in terms of hey, every other place is adopting this. It's it's yeah, it's, a, exactly. it's it's time for you to do the same. And yeah. it's I've seen this now for several tournaments in a row. Like I said, it right. wasn't just at one event. It's sure. been Houston, then Marrakesh, then Monte Carlo, now Barcelona. It's every single clay court event. So yeah, you know. for sure. Well, I guess in the matches tomorrow, we can hope to see a lot of dramatic disputes between the chair ump and the players. <laughs> so that's really what I'm going to watch for. Scratch oh, that. that. I'm not even watching a specific match. I'm just going to try and put together all the clips of the disputes so that we can have a nice fun thing to watch. It, it won't take long, man. You will, you will see plenty of them. Fair enough. Well, Hey Matt, I just want to thank you for coming on once again. As we mentioned last time, you are the Wednesday regular, so you better just keep that Tuesday night slot blocked off for me today. I don't even think I reached out. I think you just texted me about it. I think, I think the first text you sent me about it today was, Hey, let's talk about the Hawkeye on play. I'm pretty sure that's the only thing you said. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, man. I mean, that's I got it penciled into the schedule, so you know that's how perfect. we do it. Absolutely. Well, once again, thank you for coming on. Listeners, be sure to stay tuned to all of our action. You know, we're sending out recaps on the mini break, of course. Got all of our different pods that are going to be covering these sort of matches and great drama in the tennis world. As we close, what do we say, Matt? That's a break. Thank you and tune in again. We'll see you guys later.